0: Live from the Talking Joe studios, it's Talking Joe.
1: Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe thought we would last. Talking Joe is there. Find each other like a married couple. Our podcast on the air. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe is the codename for a completely untrained special podcast force. Its purpose, to produce a regular comic review show while breaking and replacing a series of presenters from across the world. Talking Talking Joe. Joe. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe. We are on our soapbox. Nobody seems to care. Fighting for fandom wherever there's trouble, the podcast on the air. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe. Talking Joe. Talking Joe is on the air. Hey, 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 you Uh, It's uh, me, Mark, and welcome to Talking Joe, the best and longest-running dedicated comics podcast, except when we're talking about things that aren't pop comics, like movies. If you're new to the show, then you can find out all the details over on the website, which is talkingjoe.co.uk. But without further ado, let me introduce you to the people on the show with me today, which are sometimes called co-hosts. First up, it's Snake Oil Salesman a real american tim
0: (laughs) snake oil i i sell uh i sell entertaining and beautiful books and comics Uh, oh yeah i got confused
1: for some reason he
2: sells funny books
0: and hello listeners
1: and the man coming up next he has got an eye because i just said snake before Mm -hmm. And this person has an eye for the latest GI Joe toys. It's GI Joe. <laughs> it's GI Joey J Cordray. <laughs>
2: oh, dear. howdy, Joe fans! You all enjoying the mental gymnastics that Mark had to try to pull to put that one together? Like I am, you're in for a treat today.
0: I, I look forward each week to uh, how Mark um, <laughs> describes the the a positive that Mark ascribes to uh, the our podcast. I really like the one. Um, the most popular one that comes out on a Thursday. I really like the one, at least that's what my mother says. Uh, and every every week I look forward to a, a better and funnier description <laughs> that makes Talking Joe uh, unique. What are we talking about today, Mark?
1: Today we are talking about the Snake Eyes movie. Uh, so this is the film that came out in the summer uh, a few weeks ago after being having a long delay and which we have now all seen um before we get into it shall i give you a quick recap of what the film was all about
2: yes yes please do
1: okay this is the plot breakdown snake eyes is a man with a mysterious past mysterious past that we immediately find out all about as a young boy he is orphaned when his father is murdered he takes up his name from the pair of d- weighted dice that were used by his father's killer years later the bark boy is somehow now a deadly martial arts fighter driven by desire to avenge his father's death yakuza boss kenta offers to find his father's killer if snake eyes will work to him his task is to infiltrate the arishikage ninja clan via an elaborate stage set piece to save the life of clan member, Tommy. Grateful to Snake Eyes, Tommy takes him to the Ninja Dojo in Japan. He has to be initiated a, a, as a member of the clan if he passes three trials. One the trial of swapping a bowl politely, two the trial of having a flashback in the woods and three the trial of massive magic snakes. The clan's head of security, Akiko, doesn't trust Snake Eyes at first, but he wins her trust by being handsome. Snake Eyes betrays his new allies and steals a magical MacGuffin to give to Kenta. Kenta explains that he's stealing the jewel on behalf of the Baroness, working for terrorist organisation Cobra. Snake Eyes receives his reward for stealing the jewel, his father's killer, who turns out to be a Cobra agent. Snake Eyes realises it was Cobra that had wronged him all along, so instead goes back to the clan to aid them. Scarlet, a member of the International Peacekeeping organization GI Joe. We've heard about them. Join the Arishikage to help them. There follows a big battle between the Arishikage dressed in black, Cobra agents dressed in black, and Kenta's men dressed in black at night time. Kenta keeps the magic jewel and uses it to single-handedly defeat the Arishikage, but is defeated himself by Snake Eyes feeding him to one of the giant, massive, magical snakes. After the battle, Tommy is told that he is no longer to lead the clan as he broke his vow never to use the jewel, whereas Snake Eyes that stole it is given a job with G.I. Joe and a fancy new uniform and a motorbike. Enraged at losing his birthright, Tommy forsakes his clan, joins Cobra and renames himself Storm Shadow for some reason. The end to be continued, but it won't because they didn't make enough money. How'd you like the recap?
2: I'm so glad I was muted because <laughs> I st- I started laughing probably with your first line and was almost doubled over by the end.
0: Mark, I, I detect from your summary, uh, which feels a little less neutral than some, <laughs> of, co- some of your comic book summaries, uh, that a you have a fee- you have feelings mm. about the narrative.
1: There of might this have movie. been an underlying element of snark that mm. wasn't completely objective. Mm. Might might have been i think Um, i detected that
0: can i get uh uh, two sentences from each of you um just to paint a picture uh where did you see the movie who did you see it with when did you see it because because we maybe weren't going to get this movie because there's this pandemic and it got delayed and so you know everyone's taking in entertainment in in different ways or jumping through hoops to do it mark where and when and with whom
1: uh, I saw it pretty much on my own because of logistics of getting the kids out to the cinema with me. Delayed and somewhat out of a sense of obligation because uh, after hearing, you know, some of the vibes so far, I got a sense that it would be, it would, you know, there'd be an element of fun to it, but, but not necessarily a massive amount of uh, fulfillment.
0: And uh, it was released in Britain... Uh, was it six weeks after yeah, the was, American? It, release? Yeah, it was
1: a. I think it was mid-August that it came out in the in the UK. Um, I tried to see it initially on on holiday and was discouraged uh, by by the missus who thought it would be a bad idea to, to interrupt our holiday in the middle of the of a pandemic. And then on another night, tried to, to tried to see it in, on the on the holiday, and there were very very few places that were actually showing it on the day that that it was, would be more convenient for us to, to see it literally you know i was in in exeter which is one of the largest cities in the southwest of, of england and at that point in time essentially nowhere was uh showing it so, so i had to wait until i was back in uh, brighton and sort of snuck out and got to see it uh, on my on my tod so not necessarily the greatest of uh movie going experiences from a uh, an experience perspective regardless of the the film but yeah i wanted to get i wanted to
2: see it so that we could uh, have a chat jay your first time you saw it who and where it opened on thursday i believe and i saw it on it was either monday or tuesday of the following week i went to the theater uh about noon by myself and saw it the first time And then the second time was about three or four days later. I took all my kids to go see it.
0: Was it important to you to see it by yourself the first time or that just how it worked out?
2: And I think I mentioned this on one of the other uh, podcasts. And you know this from working in a comic book store. When you're involved with something like that, you've you've almost got to see it as soon as you can, because people are going to want to talk about it, you know, that come into the store or you're going to see stuff on Facebook and even just, you know, the four days after release, I feel like there were probably some things that were spoiled that I had seen on Facebook. Um, so, yeah, it was it was more just really, really feeling like I, I wanted to see it, needed to see it as soon as possible so that when I saw it, I would have a, less of an influenced Take. Like Mark said, he didn't see it until almost six weeks after it had been released. And by that time, he'd seen probably loads of negative stuff. Um, when I saw The Force Awakens, I had seen somebody on Facebook uh, before I went to the movie said, oh, well, Ben kills Han Solo or something like that. And I think if I, if I would have seen that in the theater, it might have been different But when I was watching it then, they're they're walking together on the bridge, and I'm just like, oh, well, this is, here it comes. You know, I know it's going to happen. So it it really killed that moment. You know, I I get why people, you know, uh, complain about spoilers.
0: And um, you had a long drive to get to the movie theater, right?
2: Well, not the first time I saw it. Uh, I saw it in a theater. I live in a small town. Uh, We have a a movie theater, but it doesn't get movies. Immediately. It's usually like a month after they're out, but the, the nearest, you know, big theater is like a half hour away. So it wasn't that bad. When I saw it with the kids, they're like three hours away. So that was a a pretty long drive to get up there.
0: Um, My employees and I have a tradition, which is now three or four or five times a year where uh, opening night of each new Marvel movie or in some cases, a Sony Marvel movie or a Warner Brothers DC movie, uh, we'll go see it. Uh, one, because it's fun. Two, because as Jay says, um, all weekend long, people will be talking about it in the store or asking us if we've seen it. Um, so, also, and this goes back to um, hmm, 1999 with uh, Star Wars Episode One. I like to see movies opening night because it's exciting and then also looping back because, you know, even before social media, uh, I I don't like things to be spoiled. To that end, um, I don't seek out trailers. If I'm on Facebook or if I'm reading at a comic book news or entertainment website and, you know, the new trailer or TV ad for one of these movies um, is posted, I don't watch it. Uh, I only really see trailers when I'm at a movie theater. Uh, Seeing a movie, so I I I sort of see them uh, naturally, Um, and so to that end, uh, I hadn't I'd seen half of one Snake Eyes trailer. I think when it was starting to be promoted like two years ago, I wasn't seeing those, and then I saw uh, Black Widow. uh, I think it was two weeks before opening night of Snake Eyes, and there was a Snake Eyes trailer, and uh, I saw half it because I was getting popcorn and getting seats for my. Um, employees so um, there's a lot just even in the trailer for any movie um, that is you know given away and if you're if you're if your sort of brain is racing to piece things together you see a shot or a moment in a trailer and I start to think like oh that must be from like act three like oh that's the final showdown or oh, this must be sort of halfway through or like, oh, this is this is sort of the chase scene that might be at the beginning of the movie but not the end of the movie. Um, or, oh, this is, you know, the thing with um, uh, jumping, the, the, the camera's looking down during the nighttime chase scene on the highway and uh, Snake Eyes jumps off of the motorcycle and then lands back on it when the other guy drives by on a motorcycle with a sword. And, you know, in the trailer, it has that sound. Boom! Um, that's a really cool moment. And that certainly is going to sell that movie to a lot of people who might be skeptical. But uh, when you then see that moment in the movie, if you've seen that ad or trailer six times, it's no longer cool. It's just like, oh yeah, there's there's that sword motorcycle thing. Anyway, um, there's a big multiplex in Somerville uh, near where I live near my store. Um, So uh, we all went there opening night and saw it. And I was bummed immediately because the theater was not as crowded as it had been for Black Widow opening night, uh, two weeks earlier. And I thought this doesn't bode well. And then, uh, I saw it. So this was with, uh, 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 the missus, some friends and my employees. And then a week and a half later, I happened to be visiting my brother in Maryland. And if you follow my blog, you know, that my brother is sort of, uh, is a big part of my GI Joe fandom because. We played with the toys and watched the show, read the comics as a kid, as kids. Um, And uh, I convinced him and his partner uh, and my wife a second time (laughs) to see it uh, in Maryland a week and a half later. And that theater.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she loves you, man. Um, She's also she's also gay. You're a torturer to her. No, no, no. no, You owe her so big now. No, no.
0: You realize that. No, one of the cool things about my wife is that she's she likes movies and she's a game for this kind of thing, right? She appreciates G.I. <laughs> Joe. She's interested in, like, comparing Snake Eyes to Black Widow, you know? Like, she doesn't sit down and watch the episodes uh, with me, but I'll talk about an episode. I'll show her a scene and she'll nod and say, like, oh, that's cool or that's funny.
2: Did she watch the other movies?
0: Uh, has not seen them, but oh, okay. now she's, you know, for the, like anthropology of it is uh, is sort of interested
2: that was what i was going to ask what how she thought it compared
0: um uh so i was i was really interested in what my brother would think of snake eyes because uh he has a he has a setup at home um where he watches his movies and doesn't like to go out to theaters and has seen like three movies in the theater in the last 10 years like he wants to like watch it at home on blu-ray uh, in his in his basement set up so i i counted it a small victory that i convinced him uh to see it particularly during a pandemic mm. um and uh he i'm has-
2: with you though tim i love going to the movies i and, and especially on opening night or you know one of the the best times i i had at a movie was uh the the midnight premiere of batman forever and it was when i was working at the comic shop that's how we got to go was because we worked at the comic shop and it was just there's tons of people there, and it was really cool. And the movie, even though it was terrible, it was <laughs> awesome. You know, being there and 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 just being a part of that, and and especially being out, and just yeah, the theater, the lights, I love it. I love going to the movies. The stakes I like, are I like, higher.
0: Go ahead.
1: I was going to say I like that that concept of, of of Tim's that you know avoid trailers, but in in their natural you know place in the in the cinema, then then it's acceptable to to watch them. It's kind of like a David Attenborough. Here we are watching a trailer in its natural habitat, nestled, bef- nestled before the start of a main featurette, you know, <laughs> uh,
0: I will add, I, as you know, trailers are long and they give way too much and they're overcut. Um, I will often close my eyes for half of a trailer. It's you know, like, um, like Eternals, You're a cheater. like, like, I don't need to be convinced. I'm going to yeah. go see Eternals. So before uh, Black Widow or Shang-Chi, the Eternals trailer plays. It's like, no, I, I don't need this to be given away. Mm. I want to be surprised when I see the movie. And even hearing it, like a lot is given away. So, yeah. um, but uh, uh, seeing movies in a theater is really important to me. The stakes are higher because, you know, it's your evening, it costs money, and mm-hmm. if it's not good, uh, you have used or wasted those things. Whereas, you know, at home, uh, you know, if a movie's only okay, well, you're already at home. At the same time, I've seen really good movies for the first time at home, and they don't, they just sort of wash over me because I'm at home and it's really easy to pause it, and go to the bathroom and be distracted and look at my phone. In a theater, that is what I'm there to do. And seeing a movie, good or bad, old or new, famous or obscure, with an audience, when, the, when this image is much bigger than you, and it is loud. That is a powerful experience, and it is. It is. There is no comparison nope. uh, uh, for try, attempting that at home.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. Totally agree. So, how about how about the Snake Eyes movie? Oh, who wants to go first? Not me.
1: <laughs> um, okay. Some uh, opening an opening gambit from from me. Okay. So, uh, I'm fine. With uh, the casting of Henry Golding, it doesn't bother me that that he's not necessarily the same race or has the same hair colour as the snake eyes in the comics. That doesn't bother me. It's fine to reinvent, reinterpret, you know, bring it up to the modern age. So it's also fine that it's not set specifically in Vietnam. You know, fine. It doesn't need to be a historical piece um, it might be more interesting perhaps, but, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not wedded to it being having to be the comic because I've got the comic all already. Um, I think where, where I have more of an issue with these, with the kind of, with the film is, is the specific execution of, of the fact that there's just so little DNA taken away from, the, the course, the, the, you know, the sources and the, and the, the comics, the fact that it goes, you know, into the magical realm with this, this crystal and the, the likes of the snakes and, and, and so on, which, you know, just that, that concept of magic in G, GI Joe just, you know, doesn't do it for me, you know, keep it to, to, to power rangers and, and just some of the, I guess, character arc and motivation with within the characters it just didn't necessarily ring ring true um the the action you know was was generally good it was somewhat spoiled by the fact that it had been trailed so much and i'd seen some of the main action beats so it wasn't necessarily new or surprising and and also some of this action choreography that had been kind of long trailed as as, you know being very authentic um there was a lot of very quick you know rapid cuts and and stuff so so um possibly some of the legwork that was being done was was lost in the in the edit so general takeaway was you know past the time as a an action movie but very little there that that sort of rung true as having you know the the elements that make a great gi joe story uh, per se
0: those are all spot on. Uh, I agree with all of them, and I'm tempted to just restate them all in my own words. Uh, I'll say this. I really liked Snake Eyes. really liked G.I. Joe Origins' Snake Eyes. It's not very good. I don't know. I'm really, I'm too close to this. I don't know if me liking it so much is uh, deceiving myself so that I won't be disappointed or further disappointed, because you know, Rise of Cobra, uh, I don't like. I don't like it so much. I don't own it. I don't have a DVD. Uh, retaliation, uh, you know, on balance, I don't like, but it's a lot better. And it's like, oh man, like we we get another shot, and uh, and it didn't work, and it it didn't work you know, it, it costs less money and it made, so, so, the, so the stakes aren't as high, right? Like it doesn't need to make as much money to be successful, but it really didn't make money. Um, although there was an asterisk there, you know, like a, like a baseball player on steroids breaking a record. There's an asterisk there. Um, uh, it's, it's a really fun movie and... Um, You know, one of my metrics is, could I show this to my nephew who's in fourth grade? And I could. Um, It's not the first G.I. Joe object, uh, you know, comic book, toy, episode, movie that I would that I would share. But I was unpleasantly surprised at how much shaky camera there was and how Fast the editing was during the fight scenes, considering as Mark says, what a point the filmmakers made of the fight fight choreographer, the fight choreography, Henry Golding's training, and just you know the physicality of it all. Um, you know the there were when I, I I don't know if you two experienced this, but when when the trailers were done and the like logo for my movie theater was done, and the movie started, there was a promo at the beginning, both times that I saw this, where Henry Golding says, uh, hey everyone, it's me, Henry Golding. Thank you so much for coming to this theater to support Snake Eyes on the big screen. We worked so hard. We put our blood, sweat, and tears into this, from the grueling physical training to the beautiful costumes, the locations. Enjoy the movie. And I thought, yes, this fighting is going to be awesome. And I really didn't like the fight editing or the camera work. And uh, so, so much of that good work is, is undone because, you know, if you train your actor to do this awesome move and then you cut two or three times during this awesome move, it might as well just be a stunt actor or a fight performer doing that because that's why you would cut that way to sort of hide the fact that your lead actor who's an actor not a fighter can't do it that fast or can't you know kick that high or something
1: yeah yeah great and and i probably i feel like i should almost you know caveat my my statement in in terms of saying that as a as a film i think it's a a fun film and i wouldn't have any qualms about um watching it again with uh the the kids Thomas would probably go but that's not snake eyes what's what's going on um, uh, because you know he's very knowledgeable with the you know the having read all of the the comics now um, so it's a, a fun film but it's not necessarily uh, it's not necessarily you know the G.I. Joe film that you'd want and and you know a big part of that I think is the the lead actor Henry Golding that you know he's very likable he's got a lot of on-screen uh, charisma and and I think the the plot is carried through by by a lot of that that charisma and particularly some of the some of the element that I kind of alluded to which was a thing that bugged me around around the plot is is that there's you know he's kind of you know it's meant to be a redemptive arc almost that you know he initially fails the, this trial because he's you know not honest and he's you know on a on a bad path but then having forgiven his father's killer and gone to save the he's, you He's know, turned it, turned things around, but he's still done uh, a horrendous thing, stealing this, this jewel. He's given it to, to terrorists, you know, terrorists and armed dealers. It's resulted in the, you know, some seeming annihilation of an entire ninja clan and the betrayal of, of his, you know, best bud at that point of time. And seemingly he's, he's only really sort of turned it around because that guy at the last minute said oh i was working for cobra oh cobra they're the bad guys those are the ones that i was you know helping oh now i want to fight them it's less around a an internal realization that he had done the wrong thing to begin with it was it was the, only the fact that this this killer had the connection to cobra that that made this sudden twist uh in terms of the tra- trajectory to to go back and 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 help his previous alloys
2: yeah i agree with everything you guys said and kind of like what tim said i don't want to just repeat all your words in mine because i basically agree with everything it was fun henry golding is great and that's what makes it not a a, a terrible thing but when i was watching it I, i remember the moment when you realize that snake eyes is um you know, that, that he's working for Kenta, that, that the whole thing in the beginning was uh, a setup just to get him in to the Arashikage clan. Uh, It was like, like my stomach flipped, you know? And, (laughs) And like Mark said, I know that it's supposed to be a redemptive arc, but it really doesn't happen until the very end. And how it happened was just poorly done. And it's like, you know, I've heard a lot of people online or read a lot of people online talk about one of the reasons, that the biggest reason, the almost the first word out of everybody's mouth when they say, what do you think of when you think of snake eyes is honor. And that's what, you know, that's the whole conversation between him and, and Storm Shadow in the beginning. I looked in your eyes and I saw honor. Okay, well, 50 minutes later, I'm going to tell you you're my blood brother and I'm going to cut your hand so I can take your DNA and steal something that your family's been protecting for centuries so I can uh, take it and, and go kill someone. And I'm like, wow, that's not Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes would find a way, a, a better way to, to do every, every single thing and like you both mentioned the shaky cam and stuff i'm not a fan of action movies Uh, i like adventure movies like indiana jones but you know when i watch something like john wick or um like mission impossible 2 you know the the tricks with tom cruise on the motorcycle and you know fighting a helicopter and just um tim mentioned the part during the motorcycle bike chasing where snake eyes jumps over their blades and you see it from above and You know, there's, like Tim said, you you see that and you go, wow, I don't. I just see that as, uh, that's impossible. I I know that they're trying to say, yeah, this is something that's impossible, but he can do it. And no, not, yeah, no, not this guy, not not the original Snake, guys. I mean, it's just, no. And and every, all the fights and stuff, there's just, uh, things like that really take me out of it as far as selling the believability. So, you know, I enjoyed it when I was in the theater. Uh, the kids all liked it when they were watching it. Like Tim said, I think younger kids, if they, if they could go and, and see it, uh, they might like it. But on the other hand, I don't want this to be the start of a new G.I. Joe franchise. I don't want this Snake Eyes to be what things are based around. And a storm shadow who, by all rights, is the good guy and has every reason to want to kill Snake Eyes. It 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 just did, yeah. It just it just changed things um, unnecessarily and not for the better mm. in nearly every every situation.
1: Yeah, I think sort of being a GI Joe fan and having knowledge of existing knowledge of GI Joe isn't really gonna help you in uh your appreciation of of the of the film there's not, there's not at all yeah there's not a huge amount coming from the comics and and but there's sort of parallels so so you know in the original story you had you know snake eyes come coming in you know being accepted by the clan being trained etc et and obviously we've got a bit of a bit of that albeit the kind of the reasons for him doing so are, are, are different but a key sort of driver of that you know what the the, the that story is is the sto- you know the the hardmaster is is killed and um, storm shadow goes off and joins cobra to try and find the the killer whereas in this story um, snake eye's father has been killed and uh, and he's go- gone and joined the arashikage uh, to try and find out the killer of his his father and uh and now when you know storm shadow has has left and joined cobra it's m- much less on a, on a you know a mission of you know something a, a good mission you know track down the killer of of the hardmaster and a much more of a sort of self admission mission that um he's been berated by his granny and uh and 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 you know he's not her favorite anymore and you know instead go off and join some terrorists because he's not happy about it yeah, leaving Storm Shadow in a, you yeah, know, in not su- such a, yeah, not such a good arc for for him, particularly as yeah, he didn't really do anything wrong up to that point.
2: No, Storm Shadow was completely innocent. That's what I said. Like, that's why, you know, when you first realize that Snake Eyes is um, not the good guy in his own movie that's bad enough but then the like i said the really bad betrayal of saying oh yeah we're we're blood brothers here and then he slices his hand cuz he knows storm shadow is going to do the same thing because he is a good guy and you're like wow that's bad bad i think it's
0: worth being specific here that this movie was written by 3 people you know like we can talk about the movie and the characters and, uh, and our reactions to it. But, you know, ultimately, you know, a producer in a studio, like hire a director and hire writers. And, you know, this movie was written by three people. It's written by Evan Spiliotopoulos, Joe Shrapnel, and Anna Waterhouse. And um, it used to be that when a movie like this came out, my friend, who, who, is, a, who is a producer in New York, and who's also, uh, the the editor of my GI Joe book, uh, Nick Nadell would say the first thing he would do when a movie like this is announced is he would, he would check the IMDB for their name to see what else they had done. Like, Oh, this director of this, you know, sci-fi movie or action movie, franchise movie that's coming out next year that we're excited about. Uh, Oh, this is what they did previously. Um, oh, these other movies are good, or, oh, these other movies are bad, or, oh, some of these other movies are good and some are bad, so I'm not sure which way this is going to go. So, uh, you know, Robert Schwenke directed Snake Eyes. He had directed some movies like this before, which would indicate um, some, you know, familiarity with this kind of movie with some skill. Um, He directed Red, the movie with Bruce Willis, right, which is also based on a comic. And... um, and I haven't seen Red, but I, it's on my list. I want to. Uh, I was sort of not interested when it came out because it's based on a comic that's very short and particular for me. And I wasn't interested in seeing it expanded and maybe sort of ruined because, you know, how do you turn three issues into two Yeah, that two means hours? basically a different thing. Th- there you go, right? You just make it something else.
1: So, um, uh, but the direction isn't, I don't think there's necessarily much wrong with the direction say in this this film possibly the the editing is a little bit more choppy and and you lose I guess some of the hard work that went into the fighting chore- choreography well, as a result but
0: so yeah yes and no so you know every movie is different um, you know some directors are very much about performance and staging some are very much about character character arc um, you know so famously, uh, George Lucas, when he directed Star Wars, you know, it's it's a joke, but it's also true. Like Harrison Ford sort of says like, uh, oh, Lucas just had like two things he would say to you after you did a take, faster or again. And you look at, you know, the four Star Wars movies that George Lucas directed and you compare them to the two. I'm talking just about the, the uh, original and the prequels, right? You compare them to the two that he didn't. And... Like, you know, all the character stuff is much better in the two that he didn't direct. And they're all written by different people. But a lot of that is down to the director who's like making decisions about the screenplay while the movie's being shot, whether the writer is sort of on set or not, and doing some rewriting when the movie is being written. A, a franchise movie like this... Uh, you know, the producers are much more involved. And the point I was about to make before with like you know, Googling the director to see what else they had done is nowadays, you know, like uh, Amazing Spider-Man, you know, like the that, that first new Spider-Man movie after the three Sam Raimi movies. Like the guy who directed that had done, what was it 500 Days of Summer? Right. You know, it's like nowadays, the machine for directing this kind of visual effects or franchise movie is so... Um, entrenched like the studios have such a way to make it with their like pre visualization teams and their visual effects teams and their second unit directors and the producers that um, the directors are, are less important in terms of a like specific unique vision and like you can just hire some TV director to do a really expensive like Marvel movie because the TV director the director is there to like sort of wrangle the actors, but not like necessarily from the beginning, envision all of the like action and visual effects set pieces. Um, So coming into a movie like Snake Eyes nowadays, it's hard to know uh, sort of where to assign the like the, the blame or who to give the credit to, you know, this, this, this producer has now made three bad GI Joe movies. So like, yeah i don't like the i don't love the writing of Amen any of these three <laughs> i don't like the, the 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 writing of any of these three uh gi joe live action movies um the directing is you know fine in all of them and some of them there's some great flourishes um but it's like i think i know the problem now
1: yeah and and i uh the the marvel producer kevin feige gets a lot of credit and and there's You know, it seems justifiably so, you know, there's a lot of good words spoken about him and and there's a consistency to the product that Marvel are putting out in terms of the, the, you know, the high watermark that they're they're hitting. And from a lot of the interviews and so on surrounding Snake Eyes, it seems like, as you say, the producer, uh, who's called uh, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, seemed to have you know a very impactful role in the making of this thing and you know the kind of direction that it was gonna go in and and also from those interviews i really got the sense that he just doesn't get gi joe to be frank um and that's probably not a great foundation to to be coming from
0: not to sidetrack this because i could talk about the live action transformers movies for days but Dibada Ventura is also producer of those. Mm. And there's a parallel there with not just like, is this the Transformers or G.I. Joe movie that I want? Is this sort of the right kind of Transformers or, or G.I. Joe movie? So, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about like inconsistency in characterization or plot holes, we lay that at the feet of the writers, Credit or blame is also shared by the director and the producers uh, and the studio for, you know, not picking better people or not pushing back. In terms of writing, I don't... So um, uh, you guys have have talked about sort of the, the, the Snake Eyes arc and the Storm Shadow arc not working or being crossed. When Akiko shows up, I'm excited because it's a new character who can add something different and who can become important to this version of G.I. Joe, or uh, maybe be a stand-in for like Jinx or Scarlet, you know, someone who we sort of maybe would want in that role, but like, cause it's an origin story, cause it's in Japan, it needs to be someone different. I don't understand Akiko's arc because uh, she doesn't trust Snake Eyes, but then she very quickly does and intercedes on his behalf in that third test and sort of the fact that she's an outsider to the irashikage and irashikage and also snake eyes is is too truncated and convenient of a bridge for them she just sort of accepts that he's damaged goods but that's okay he's unreliable but that's okay and then she it's like aren't they gonna kick her out for interrupting the third test like no i think if he can't survive the third test the snake should eat him and he dies like she she suddenly abruptly doesn't sort of follow the rules of like that clan and also her own character my my wife sees a lot of these movies with me and we talk about story and character after we watch these movies and we very much enjoy you know like we we watch the four-hour justice league knowing we weren't gonna uh love it and maybe not even like it but it's just like too fascinating and you know it's the pandemic you're at home let's watch the four hour justice league and um
2: it was worth watching
1: yeah as, as an aside i watched the the four hour justice league and then immediately afterwards went and watched the original josh josh whedon version Just to see what the difference was when it was still fresh in my mind, and I enjoyed the experience. No, no,
0: we did the opposite. We watched, we watched the short one, and then two weeks later, we watched the long one. We talked about it. Um, Okay, so uh, (laughs) we had just seen Black Widow. Next episode. We just, we just seen Black Widow, and um, on its own, I really like the scene where uh, Black Widow and her sort of not sister and her not mom and her not dad have dinner, and that that scene is sort of in the trailer, and you like know it's going to be a funny scene. Um, on its own, I like it. I don't think it works in that movie. And my wife said, uh, uh, the the relationship between Black Widow and her adopted sister is like really inconsistent. And I said, yeah, I said, I wonder why that is. And she said, I don't think Hollywood knows how to write women. And um, Akiko, you know, at the beginning, she doesn't trust Snake Eyes. And she's the one who thinks that Tommy is crazy for Trusting him, and she's the one who who follows Snake Eyes twice when he goes into the city, and her turn when she suddenly now feels sorry for him. And there's this scene where they sort of look into each other's eyes, and I think they're sort of she's sort of attracted to him, or they're attracted to each other. Nothing is nothing is said. They don't they don't like kiss or hug or touch or anything, but it just it just turns too conveniently and too and too. It's like I've seen this trope. Um, it's like, well, she feels sorry for him, Uh, and so, you know, after the movie, I said, uh, "I'm not sure about Akiko," and my wife just sort of gave me that look. It's like, oh, well, I know what that means, and you know, this is a this is a very broad statement to say that Hollywood doesn't know how to write women, and, and there are hundreds and thousands of examples where you know Hollywood does. There are lots of scenes and movies made by men, made by women, but I, you know, I think a lot of times you know, the love interest or the sort of counterpoint character uh, gets short shrift, and I see that in Akiko, and it's really disappointing to me because when the toy gets announced and I see fans like, cool, a new ninja character, a new female character, or like, hmm, it should have been Jinx, or who's this? I don't know. I don't like this character. I think, okay, Hollywood, you're going out on a limb. You've got one chance to make this character work don't blow it
2: that sums up the entire movie you got <laughs> one chance to make this work don't blow it and ultimately when i think when i think back on the movie as a whole it's just disappointing for me as a fan because you know i've been there since 82 i remember the excitement of reading Issue 21 and 26 was like, blew my mind, you know, and it's, it's just such a, it's a good story and it could be visually would look great on the scene, you know, so many just like think of Forrest Gump, like the, even the Vietnam scenes, you know, when there were explosions and stuff going on, just, you know, there were some nice shots in there. They could have done so much with that story and that story had an honorable character that would have connected with people and and maybe would have been something that they could have built a franchise on and
1: also in terms of building a a franchise the way that the film ended it was you know pretty open really it wasn't it was a bit of a wishy-washy ending the you know snake eyes is finally put on his mask and zoomed off on his motorbike and and storm shadows revealed as you know doing a heel turn and joining cobra but there wasn't it there wasn't anything about the ending he, th- he thought wow I wonder what's going to happen next I can't wait till the next one it it didn't have that it didn't set up that kind of cliffhanger or just antis- you know yeah. anticipatory moment really and and with the the box office gone the the way it it has the odds i guess that this will be f- followed up is you know has no massively way. shrunk unfortunately because uh, you know I
2: mean, what was the total like thirty six million globally or or was that just domestically i don't know but 36 million that's not even it's barely half of what it took to make it so and i think a lot of that was word of mouth you know it numbers significantly dropped off the first week and then every week after that was just boom 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 boom
1: i mean yeah it was i guess the the main action film that was it was up against the same time was i think is it called free guy i don't think i don't think free guy had come out yet
0: i think it was it was after fast okay. nine
1: it's certainly in in the uk it was and, oh. and um you know it was, and free it was delayed did, uh, and free
0: guy did really well when it did open in the states after yeah. snake eyes and snake eyes had this tiny window after fast nine and black widow and uh-huh. but before uh the suicide squad
1: yeah, so yeah, I mean there there guy. were other other films maybe not coming up necessarily the same opening weekend but um, but you know around that time you know Fast and Furious and Free Guy and Black Widow and you said well, oh, yeah and, and um Suicide Squad. And you know for me as a died in the world G.I. Joe fan, I was you know, looking at looking at the you know the trailers and, and things like that I was probably a bit more inclined and excited about seeing uh 3 of those films, you know, Free Guy, um, Black Widow, um, Suicide Squad than I was about GI Joe to be to be honest, which is uh...
2: Honestly, that's kind of the way I was too. And like I said, it, for me that went back to not really getting like John Wick kind of movies. And as soon as I saw that trailer, it just it looked like that, it looked like Rise of Cobra it looked like retaliation. It looked like something that I didn't want to watch. I don't know. Tim, pick us there, up. you liked it.
0: There's a there's a I'll say a negative thing, I'll say a positive thing. Um, <laughs> there's a review and I wish I still I wish I had the link because I'd like to give the person credit for for writing this. Um, but it's it's something that I read maybe three weeks before the movie came out and uh, and the person said, this is the sequel reboot that no one asked for and no one wants and you know the gi joe franchise as a live action entity was in a really tough place three years ago two years ago as they're making this movie because you know some of the audience is going to assume that this takes place after the movie with the rock Some of the audience doesn't really care, but knows of the other two movies and, you know, may not be looking for Channing Tatum or The Rock, but it's like, oh, well, you know, it's the G.I. Joe thing. Some of the audience just wants to see an entertaining thing that's two hours and sort of knows about G.I. Joe and like doesn't need it to connect or isn't considering that it might connect. So you have this problem where, you know, for the three of us, it's like, okay, well, we've got these certain expectations and then you've got uh, a more general movie audience that. It's like, you have to make this clear that this is its own thing. And yet you also need to somehow link it to the two previous movies because there is a lot of goodwill toward those. And they did make some money. That first one made enough money that there was a sequel. And the second one almost made enough money that there was a sequel. And you know, everyone likes The Rock, but then you have to change tax. Like, okay, this can't be as expensive because the last two were expensive and it didn't work out so well. And we have to do something different because the last two were, um, like more superheroic and more military. And those didn't work, right? And, and it's like, well, they didn't work because they weren't good. But it's like, you know, by Hollywood logic, it's like, no, no, we have to do something different because it didn't work. And like, we don't, it's like, no, do it again, but do it well. Like, no, 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 we have to do it. We have to do it differently. So, okay, this one will be a martial arts movie. And I, I think it's a cool take. It's like, all right, there aren't really going to be a lot of guns in this um, and like planes and tanks, and and the violence can be mostly bloodless, and this is another point where where GI Joe's in a tough place because the cartoon is bloodless, uh, the comic book is uh, there's a little blood, but I I, th- I think the specter of GI Joe, there's much more aggression and uh, quote unquote violence in in everyone's idea of GI Joe than there actually is, and. You know, yeah. there are movies like uh, Mission Impossible or The A-Team or The Bourne Identity uh, or Indiana Jones, uh, which G.I. Joe a G.I. Joe movie can be more or less like. And, like, you can make a PG-13 G.I. Joe movie that's not too, quote-unquote, violent, uh, that we can take our, you know, nine-year-old, eight-year-old nephews to, but that also doesn't, uh, that also is um, close enough to the brand that uh, fans uh, will like it. And that is, that's a puzzle, but it's not an unsolvable one. And so, you know, just loop, looping back to sort of how Mark started this, um, it's like, okay, G.I. Joe's gonna be a less expensive uh, martial arts movie, cool. Like not what I would do, I would I would try and do something more like the second movie. Like I would, I would mix the second movie and this third movie To, if I was to do a third movie. Um, But if you're going to make a martial arts movie, there needs to be a lot of new and novel images and story points while also sort of familiar, like G.I. Joe character and mythology. And in terms of, you know, the MacGuffin and the betrayal um, and the fighting. You know, there are there are better martial arts movies out there. There are better like character betrayal movies out there. There are better like personal journey movies out there. And so I like it a lot. It's not very good. <laughs> I also desperately want to like this. And, and sorry, my last point, then I'll give the mic over to Jay. I'm disappointed with GI Joe fans. Like it's a pandemic. People don't wanna to go to movies or leave the house. And like everyone has the right to not leave the house right now if they can not leave the house. But there's a lot of energy uh, spent by G.I. Joe fans on sort of what makes G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe. And if you don't support your thing, it's gonna go away. And I really needed G.I. Joe fans this summer to come out and see this movie. And even if it's not good, even if it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a train wreck. It's just not very good. Uh, And because it didn't make any money, I'm sure we won't get another one. And that's both on the people who made a bad movie and also on, on the fans, you know, like I could have seen it a third time and a bunch of people could have seen it a first time. It's like, we need to support this because this brand is uh, fragile.
1: But uh, I know, bet there's the... there's only so much the fans can do, it has to extend beyond right. the, the fans to, to actually, you know, make the kind of box office that uh, it really needs. I mean I mean what's the it'll, be a, it'll um, be a start, but but it's not gonna it's not gonna make them their their hundreds of millions that they they need.
2: What's the circulation uh any of you have any guess of um A Raw?
1: Of the comic. It's only about like what it's about I've heard the figure of six thousand. The toy fandom is bigger.
2: I figure right there is what you're looking at as, like, the core fandom. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. So those people, your diehard Joe fans, did go. But like Mark said, you needed other people to get interested and, and want to come see it. And I don't know. They just weren't interested uh, you, in seeing you, it. You,
0: you make a good point. Also, uh, you know, Paramount's hands were tied. You know, like... Uh, like MGM has a has a risk with this uh with No Time to Die with this final Daniel Craig James Bond movie coming out you know September October 2021 like 2 years after it was supposed to come out it got delayed several times a lot like Snake Eyes. and there had already been you know some a big publicity push cuz No Time to Die was gonna come out yeah uh when it was gonna come out it and
1: was, it was it was I think it was pulled like only only like the week before it was due to come out. Is like the the week before lockdown happened in the UK or something, right? Yeah, okay, thank mar- you. March twenty twenty. So it was you know re- it, that you know all of the whole hype machine, publicity machine was in full you know in, in the full juggernaut mode, and then that you know halted. you know. It.
0: Conventional wisdom for any movie that's delayed is that. It's not very good, uh, which is why it's delayed. Mm-hmm. It's delayed because reshoots, the studio. Yep. Well, or not, or not even we. Sh- I mean, we. we there, are, there are so many stories now of reshoots, and the way that live action movies are, have been made in the last ten years. Hey, it, right, it doesn't it, exactly mean the it,
2: same thing it, that it used to. And yes, I think people so, have the wrong. Like uh, what you're trying to say is, it's not necessarily a bad thing if they do reshoots.
0: Yeah, nowadays reshoots are built into these big franchise Process, movies, yeah. right? Because they know, some of it is cynical. It's like, well, we're going to do some some testing with audiences and we're going to see how the trailer does and we might rewrite some stuff. But some of that is actually great because um, the way that animated films are made, uh, you know, you, it takes three years to make an animated feature film. The first year, the first year is story. And that's people drawing scenes and also writing scenes and maybe also writing songs and like live action movies that's not the process and so you get locked into this script and then you have uh, locations that are reserved and you have visual effects companies that are booked and you have schedules it's like we need to deliver these shots to this studio at this time so they can crank out these visual effects shots for us so we can get our super bowl commercial and then we can make our release date of june 15th or whatever it is right with an animated film there's a lot more back and forth between writing and drawing rewriting and drawing because uh, uh, it's easier, to, just, it's easier to, to make a lot of those kinds of changes. And so if live action films, uh, these expensive multi, you know, $300 million ones in the last 10 years are taking that kind of cue and it's making better movies, that's great. So yes, Jay, absolutely. Reshoots don't necessarily just mean troubled production, but um, generally when movies get delayed either it's because they're bad and the studio doesn't believe in them and they're trying to find sort of a a quieter place to release the movie where the sort of negative splash that it makes won't be as big, or yes, there might be reshoots and so they're trying to fix some mistakes. You know, like the entire visual effects sequence of London getting destroyed at the end of Joe: Retaliation, that was a late addition to that movie. But the third thing is that In terms of promotion, if you spend a lot of oxygen and money uh, on advertising and getting your actors to do talk shows, and then you delay your movie, uh, people sort of forget that the movie's coming out later. Even if you then spend a lot of money and oxygen on new ads and talk show appearances, people who don't pay attention to release dates and trailers as much as we do will say, "Uh, didn't that already come out? oh, I sort of can't be bothered, right? And so, yes, even like the three of us might think like, oh, the final Daniel Craig James Bond movie, that's a slam dunk, right? It's like, no, this is still a risk for MGM yeah, because it people- be,
1: It will be interesting to see how it fares because it does feel, I get the sense that the the air has come out of the sails on that, that there just isn't the enthusiasm. There was the big push, you know, March 2020, Everyone was geared up to it gone away and now it's coming back and oh it's that
2: that old james bond thing that they were talking about last year
0: right my
2: girlfriend doesn't like going to the movies at all uh and she was pissed off when james bond got delayed because that was like the one movie that she likes to go watch
0: it can turn the other way right like uh black widow uh was released in theaters and simultaneously to disney plus so it's hard to judge how the react, the financial reaction to that took into account the the delay, if people were sort of over it and um, less excited or if they were more interested because they had had to wait. But there's this argument that with how much money Shang-Chi is making, and if there's buzz for Eternals, that a year of no Marvel movies was actually really good for Marvel movies because people and started mm. building up anticipation and realized that they missed them, right? Mm, so- so Snake Eyes comes into this, right? And like let's not forget G.I. Joe Retaliation was delayed, right? Because of those reshoots. And so, so Snake Eyes has this has two asterisks. One, it was it was delayed, right? It was it was COVID delayed and a delay generally hurts any movie, right? Uh two, it came out during the summer of COVID and there was this little window in June or June and July where uh, vaccinations and um, uh, uh, infection rates were going in such a direction that a lot of uh, businesses and travel and people were opening up. And a lot of people went to see Fast 9 and, and after Snake Eyes, a lot of people went to see uh, The Suicide Squad and Free Guy so so people made a choice right i think even if they felt safer right and then right after snake eyes it, during snake eyes right immediately it starts closing up again right rates are infection rates are going up and some places are starting to close up again people make a choice this summer it's like they're not going to go see every movie they're going to go see the ones that feel the most important to them and snake eyes has this terrible timing and and also it's it's not great and so uh and it's it's you know the third in a series of uh uneven joe things and so this was always going to be an uphill climb
2: i think that word of mouth from the first week probably hurt it more than covid because there's movies that came out during covid that made a lot more money shang chi like you mm-hmm. said godzilla versus king kong
1: yeah. i went, i wanted to the extent you know People are, you know, that that Marvel brand, you know, is so powerful now. The fact that it's just the next Marvel film, it's got, such, you know, that pedigree behind it. that people, gonna, yeah, it's, it's the next Marvel film. It's going to be great, of course. Right, gonna, if Shang Chi wasn't it. a Marvel
2: movie, nobody would go see it. Yeah, it wouldn't even do Snake Eyes numbers, would it?
1: Yeah, but all, you know, all of that, all of that says, but behind it, um uh, I do look forward to it to coming out on on DVD, and I'll, I'll give it another shot and I'll watch it. Uh, with the with the kids in my home cinema, and uh you know who who know what think on uh, on on second uh, watching, I, I certainly uh didn't hate it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know with a bit of hindsight behind me where it'll, where it'll rank against the other two GI Joe films, but <laughs> it's 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 its own thing. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I want to do a sentence of
0: of positives because I've I've been. I've been talking about negatives or, or mixed feelings. Uh, all the casting is great. All of the actor performances are great. Um, despite the editing, the all the fighting stuff, all the fight stuff is great. Costumes are great. Uh, production design, locations, sets, good and great. So there is a lot to like about this movie.
2: Yeah, there is.
0: I will say it, I'll say it more positively. There's a lot I like about this movie.
2: The actors were all really good. Like you said, the guy that played Kenta, I thought, was really good. He was just, like, smarmy. You know, you're (laughs) like, this guy's just, like, from the first moment, which, you know, that's what they wanted. But he walks on screen, and you're like, he's a dirtbag. Uh, So, yeah, he was good. Andrew Koji was great. All the actors were good. Everybody did good with what they were given.
1: An awful lot of Brits in the cast there as well. Henry Golding, Akiko, uh, Storm Shadow, I think... Hardmaster master was a Brit. Um,
2: yeah. yeah it's the British empire. You know, <laughs> it's still kind of around in some form, I guess. Cool. Uh, I don't know.
1: Should we force ourselves to give a score to this? It feels, it feels too hard. Three.
0: <laughs> um, I'm not, into, <laughs> I, I, there's too much nuance. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah. This movie and the two previous movies and, and COVID, uh, I won't give it a number. I'll, I'll just say, uh, I'll just repeat. Um, I like it a lot. It's not very good.
2: Okay. Very good. I give this one a three. I give uh, Retaliation a five and Rise of Cobra a 0. .5 because I can't <laughs> watch it. I I get to the to the scene with Duke and Ripcord ch- trained to be Joe's and I'm I just there's there's a, a too much. A, suspension of disbelief that my my brain can't go through that that uh, <laughs> this is how you become a GI Joe this is not Duke I'm, I'm like I, I can't I just can't I can't finish watching that movie so it it's the worst one for me uh still somehow yeah so snake eyes is probably number two <laughs> uh,
1: a lot to talk about there I'm sure we could keep on going for a long time more if we uh if we wanted to but uh, we will leave it there. Uh, and uh, hope you join us for the next time here on Talking Joe, where we'll be continuing to talk about the ARA issues as they come out, as, lo- as well uh, as the frontline issues from Devil's Jew back in 2003 that we're continuing to uh, look at, as well as uh, other things like our art shows. Um, Jay, where can people find you if they so wish to?
2: breakroom sketches on Facebook.
1: And Tim, where can people find you?
0: My brick and mortar comic book shop in Somerville, Massachusetts is Hub Comics, uh hubcomics.com and hubcomics at all the social medias. My blog for GI Joe is
1: arealamericanbook.com.
2: I want to make a road trip to Somerville. Yeah,
1: check out your weekly weekly youtube videos as well this week we found out that you have a step uh but it was presented in a way that uh, i very much enjoyed we we've
0: always had a step uh and uh, hopefully in a couple ads we can talk about our uh, our handicap ramp which we will be able to log up from the basement if someone calls
1: ahead <laughs> excellent as as a counterpoint to the step and if you want to find out more about the uh, the podcast, we are at talkingjoe.co.uk. That is the website address that's got all of the links like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and whatnot. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com Talking Joe. So big thanks to all of our backers who are chipping in a few quid here and there which helps fund uh, the running costs associated with running the podcast. So big thanks to Richard, Sam, Jay, Bill, Christopher and Justin who are getting early access to episodes, exclusive content, these shout outs and a warm feeling inside knowing the good they are doing. And I think that's us done, we, we've, we're all done talking about uh, Snake Eyes for now. Uh, but uh, I think we're still on a cold spring that if someone mentions the subject, we might keep on going. Uh, But, all that said, remember... Nobody Beats Talking Joe! A real American podcast that also features a guy from England! Later, guys, who are really nice guys and not at all wankers. Bye!